0: It's great to be together again. What a beautiful day today, huh? Isn't it just great? Um, we're talking about praying. And we're asking the question, why pray? Because sometimes it seems that, I don't know about you, but there are, um, my prayer life, that there are things that I sometimes just say over and over again. And sometimes I can actually pray without necessarily thinking about it because I'm used to just doing that or saying that and, and those kinds of things. So we're refocusing and, and asking, well, why do we say that? And what is it that we say? And it was Jesus who uh, in this section of scripture that we're looking at in Matthew chapter six, taught us to pray. And that teaching came about by request. Uh, those that were following him recognized uh, th- again, they were not strangers to prayer. They grew up as as Jewish uh, people and there were times to pray and certain things to pray about. But Jesus prayer life was noticeably different. And so as uh, they watched him and the impact that his prayer life had on his life and on his ministry, they just simply said, hey, we we want to have what you have. We want to be what you're like. Teach us to pray. And this is the response that uh, he gave us. Now, uh, in the beginning, we've uh, we asked the question, why pray? Well, because Jesus prayed. And that was the response there. The second question, when we asked why pray, the second answer, I should say, is to why pray is because God was listening when Jesus said, our father who is in heaven. He is listening. And then uh, the next answer was uh, not uh, only that Jesus prayed and God is listening, but we want what God wants. Because uh, one of the reasons that we pray is we ask for things and that's, that's perfectly acceptable. But sometimes we learn after a while, I don't know about you, but in my, the things that I pray for now are not the things that I prayed for 20 years ago. The things that I pray for now are certainly not the things I prayed for when I was a teenager. OK, and, and so I've learned that the things that I want aren't nearly as important as the things that God wants for me and God wants for us. So we want what God wants. And then last week, we, the answer that we had to the question of why pray is because there are things that we need. And sometimes uh, we've learned, especially for those of us who are parents, when our kids ask us for things, they are asking for things that they want, but the things that they want aren't necessarily the things that they need. And God, because he's the good father, as we just sang uh, a bit ago, uh, he gives us the things that we need. And inevitably, it turns out the things that we need are also the things that we want because God's blessings are always better than anything we could ever ask for. And so we find ourselves with the next answer to the question today. Why pray? If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter six. The the scripture will be on the screen starting with verse five. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. We kind of. Uh, pulled back a little bit last week. What an empty perspective for prayer. We're not asking these questions so that we can say the kinds of things in our prayer life that make everybody else feel good. Right. Now, sometimes that can happen, but that's the byproduct. That's not the point. And what an empty purpose for prayer to just simply say words that make everybody else feel happy or please everybody else. You know what that's called? A political rally. And we're really glad that the commercials will just keep on going after this coming Tuesday, right? Sure. That's my point. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who's unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. God knows us. He knows our hearts. He knows our thoughts. He knows the things, that weigh, the things that weigh heavy on us and the things that we really do need. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need even before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us into, uh, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Today we're focusing on that section of scripture that says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, depending upon what you've heard, or maybe as you grew up, what you remember uh, being taught. uh, Sometimes the word debts is changed to uh, trespasses. Um, uh, But really when it's all said and done, it forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. That's what that really means. So why pray today? The answer to the question is we're praying because there are things that we need to let go of. It's just that simple. Why pray? Because there are things that we need to let go of. Um, just out of curiosity, I, I ask a lot of rhetorical questions, and this I really am asking rhetorically. There is not a Sunday that doesn't go by that we all walk in the door and we're carrying junk. Some of us uh, put on a good front, but there's a lot of baggage. Backpacks that are too heavy for us to hold on to. Weights tied to our waist, tied to our feet. We're like that proverbial traveler in the airport try- it has got seven bags that they're trying to get from one gate to another, and it's just too much. We need to either have somebody help us carry things, or even better yet, we just need to pack less because we're carrying a whole bunch of junk. And today, I want to talk about letting go of it. If there's any message that we have, that's got to be at the very top. We don't want people to simply find and fo- uh, follow Jesus because, in, in a general, uh, ag- in general agreement, we just like him, and so because we like him, we hope that you'll like him too, so that we can all kind of have some kind of unity because we all like Jesus. That's not the point. We want people to find and follow Jesus because with Jesus there's freedom. With Jesus, there's hope. With Jesus, there's real, lifelong, eternity-enduring forgiveness. And to finally be able to swim unhindered, to, to finally be able to stand unburdened, to walk through life with freedom, the things that you think people are talking about you, it, it doesn't matter anymore. The things that someone remembers from 20, 30 years ago, it doesn't matter anymore because what God says carries all the weight. His burden is so light and he wants to take the burden off of you. He wants you to let this stuff go. So Jesus, not making, uh, making it, small because it's really only a a, a partial sentence that he uh, tells us when he's teaching us. But he says, uh, when you pray, I want you to ask God to forgive you in the same way that you forgive others. You see, that's the challenge, isn't it? That's the part. And so uh, as we talk about letting go of stuff, What I'm praying this morning is that right now, the Spirit of God is just kind of tapping you on the shoulder. And what he's saying is, you need to pay attention. Because I got some things that you've either been waiting to hear or you've been ignoring for a while. The things, first of all, the thing that you've been waiting for here, waiting to hear, is that you need to let go of your guilt. You simply need to let go of guilt. Sometimes it's over things that you remember saying five, 10, 20, 40 years ago. Doing things five, 10, 20, 40 years ago. Whatever. And sometimes uh, people are really good at remembering what you said or did 5, 10, 20, or 40 years ago. Listen, their memory is irrelevant. God's memory is what matters. And you need to just let God take care of that. That's why we come to him. All right. God has this kind of incredible detergent that can take away any and every stain, right? It's comprised of the blood of Christ. And when it covers, it covers completely. And it makes every single one of us clean. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how you grew up, where you grew up, how much money you did or didn't have, whether you did or didn't go to college. It doesn't matter how many, uh, whether you're married, married more than once, married more than once, more than once. Uh, Whether you've said the stupidest things in the world and done the most vile things. It doesn't matter. That guilt goes away. Gone. Gone. Guilt, baggage, skeletons, everyone has them and God can make them all go away. There's a story about uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. You may or may, those of you who are readers may recognize him as the author of the Sherlock Holmes uh, stories. There's a, a story that's attributed to him that the, the details sometimes are sketchy uh, about just exactly what did happen. But the story goes that um, he decided to do a little interesting experiment and he wrote an anonymous note to some of his friends and people that he knew. And the note said this, all is discovered. Flee at once. That was all it said. And one of his friends was never seen again. What is it that you don't want people to know about? How much power does that hold over you? Does it make you lose sleep? Does it impact your health? Do you even happen to think that God can't accept you because of that thing? God won't love you because of Of that thing. Proverbs 28 verse 1 says. The wicked flee. Though no one pursues. That's how much power. Guilt can have. Guilt can affect your sleep. Your mind thinking about what has been said or done. Will just not shut off. It just keeps going and going and going. And so your eyes pop open and you just lay there. Guilt can not only affect your sleep, it can cause one to avoid another. It may be that person will find out. It may be that your avoidance moves to paranoia. They know. I know they know. That's why they're not talking to me. That's why they're on the far side of this room right now talking to someone else. And even though I can't hear their conversation, I just know they're talking about me. Guilt can also make you have a harsh judgment or a harsher judgment of someone else. You know what you've done but what someone else has done is so much worse even if it's the same thing it's just worse (laughs) period it's also another reason why you avoid people we just make their sin worse than yours or ours and therefore we'll just avoid them Guilt can also make people spoil someone else with gifts. I haven't done this and I haven't done that, so I'll make up for it by buying this and that. Guilt can also make you physically sick. There have been a number of studies that have connected ailments and guilt. Sometimes guilt is altogether inappropriate. Totally inappropriate. Sometimes it's rightly owned. It just depends. But nonetheless, it has the ability to connect things like depression, headaches, cardiovascular disease, anxiety, and more. And there are a whole bunch of studies that just back that up year after year. So what do we do? Shan, I get it. I'm agreeing with you. I understand that make, guilt makes me lose sleep, makes me sick, makes me avoid people, makes me uh, angry and judge other people in ways that I don't want to do. What do I do? Talk to God about it. We've, you've all heard advice from time to time. Why are, you, why are you talking to people? Why do you post things on Facebook or, or on social media to people that can't help you? Uh, because after a while, venting is just nothing. It's not even hot air anymore. It's empty letters. Wasted breath, wasted time. Talk to the one who can do something about it. You talk to God. He, he's the one. It's, it's his rule. It's his law. It's his governing principles that we violated. And he's the one that we have to face when it's all said and done. And if there's anybody who understands, if there's anybody who has the power for grace and mercy, it's him. And he's shown that he's more than willing to grant it. So what do we do? Proverbs 28 says this, and you need, this is going to be really, really hard to understand. So I hope that you've had your coffee and an extra hour of sleep today. Okay. Anyone who hides their sins doesn't succeed. But anyone who admits their sins and gives them up finds mercy. In Shan's therapeutic version, it means this. If I hold it in and I try to have this wonderful uh, persona on the outside, but I've got this rotten persona on the inside, I'm going to end up being grumpy and sick. But if I just talk to God about it, he has an amazing way of granting mercy that even though I don't deserve, it feels so much better. This really is the best part of our message. To finally find forgiveness and hope and relief. Because we don't come in here as a group of people that uh, uh, just kind of hold things over one another. We come in here as a happy, thankful, hopeful people who know that we've all been forgiven. And it's not because of the color of our skin or the degree of our education or the or the job that we hold or even the country that we live in. It's because we know a man named Jesus. That's it. That's all that there is to that. First John chapter 1 says this: if we confess our sins. God is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You know what's interesting? I know that there are many of you that have heard that verse before, and we focus on the fact that if we confess, God will forgive. But it's that last portion that sometimes we just kind of gloss over because it's almost too much to understand, let alone believe. That he'll actually cover us in righteousness? Do you, do you understand what that does? That just doesn't take away the junk that you've been dragging. It makes you stronger. It makes you stand up and say, I'm not who I was. I really am whole again. I am encouraged now to do the right thing, not just avoid the wrong things, but to do the things that are good and helpful. Why? Because God has made me new again. I have new life, new hope, new joy, new purpose because I don't have guilt anymore. I'm not dragging around the bags. I'm not the bag man or the bag lady. Okay? That's not me anymore. I have hope. And some of you really need, you need that. And you know people. That need that, which is why when we send out things over Facebook, sometimes it's not necessarily, uh, John sends us, we send this out just about every Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. It says, come sit with me. Sometimes that not, that's not necessarily an invitation to someone who, uh, who's just reading it for the first time. That's a reminder to you guys. It's a reminder to you to ask the one who needs hope to ask that person who needs to have their their guilt taken away to let go of all of that junk. Because you know that they really need to do that. They're they're afraid to do that. They think that when they walk in this building, because they haven't been to church, or last time they went to church, they had a bad experience, that all we're going to do is we're just going to automatically know all the guilt that they have, because it's written on every part of their skin, and we walk in and we go, oh, you're the one. Oh, you're the jerk. Oh, you're the one who messed around on his wife. You're the one who did that horrible thing to your friend a couple of years ago. You're the person that lied about that. And you're the person that has an addiction issue. And you're the person that does this and does that. And because that's what guilt does. Guilt makes us believe a lie that everything that we've ever done is written on our skin. It's written on our clothes. And so we can't come into other believers because we happen to falsely believe that other believers never had baggage to worry about, but we're used to doing that. We're used to letting it go. We're used to coming before God time after time, day after day, week after week. And we want to say, God, I'm so glad that you let go of it before I messed up this week too, but that's okay because you're a God of love and you're a God of forgiveness and a God of mercy. And because you get rid of my guilt, I'm just going to keep on coming to you because you give me hope. And I want to give that hope to somebody else. That's what this is all about. So when we send that, come sit with me, that's your reminder to go to your friend, to go to your neighbor, to go to your spouse, to go to your child and say, I love you, but God loves you more. You need to let go of your guilt. You need to do that. The second thing that you need to let go of is your resentment. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Yeah, but Shan, you, you don't know. No, you're right, I don't, but God does. Shan, you don't know what he did. No, but God does. You don't know how many years that has messed me up. No, but God does. And when I say let go of your resentment, I am more than willing to acknowledge that this is not going to be a one-time issue. Sometimes it's every day. Sometimes it's multiple times a day. Job 21 says this. Some have no happiness at all. They live and die with bitter hearts. Does anybody know anybody like that? Is anybody that? Yep. Yep. In, in my mind, the way that I've graded it, it kind of goes like this. Life sometimes, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> life sometimes has disappointments. That disappointment can take a couple of steps down to anger. That anger can sometimes take two more steps down to resentment And that resentment can take the ultimate steps down into bitterness. Bitterness, it's kind of like the worst cancer tumor you can ever possibly imagine. It fingers off and splinters into multiple directions. It's so hard to get out. And bitterness, when it sets in, you just can't help but see everything that's wrong. And sometimes, even though you know you're bitter and you don't like feeling that way, you will do things that will actually enhance the bitterness, make it seep in. Uh, and sometimes we do that when we watch the news too much. I mean it. I'm not talking about uninformed, being uninformed. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about sticking your head in the sand. I'm talking about watching news sometimes just to hear the opinions of people that you agree with who happen to hate other people or not like other people for whatever reason it happens to be. And and, and frankly, the reason why we want to say we, we do say we want to help people find and follow Jesus because you're not going to get it on Fox. You're not going to get it at MSNBC. You're not going to get it at CNN. You know what you're going to get? Hate them. Don't trust them. Let me give you seven reasons this morning. I know it's quarter of seven in the morning, but let me give you seven reasons why you need to be angry today. Think about it. That's exactly what happens. Now, they might get to a feel-good story about 20 after 7 while you're in the shower. All right? And you've seen the weather and the traffic three times already. <laughs> but before you get the things that are actually going to help you, like what roads to avoid or whether or not you're going to need a jacket, they're going to tell you seven reasons why you need to be angry today. And I know that we need to be informed and we need to be able to make good decisions and we need to choose our leaders well But sometimes choices made in anger never really work out too well. I like what one preacher said. And he succinctly pointed out, he said, it's hard to have a positive life when you have a negative mind. It's just really, really hard. Which is why forgiveness cleans the mess up. It just cleans it up. It's not looking for fault. It's not looking for blame. It's not looking for vengeance. It's not even looking for justice. Because listen, if you start asking for justice, you better keep your head on a swivel because it's coming for every one of us. For all the junk that we've participated in. And some of you are carrying stuff That you have anger and resentment over that is decades old, and you need to let that go. You just need to let it go. I've been there, guys. I have walked that pathway and it it, it's not a clean pathway. It's filled with mud that my boots just go down into and and my feet get heavy and, and, and there's never sunshine on that. It's always rainy, it's always cold, and it's just not fun. You need to let go of it. Hebrews chapter 12 says this. Look after each other so that uh, not one of you will fail to find God's blessings. One version says will fail to find God's grace. How would you fail? Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. For as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. In other words, my bitterness has the capacity to infect somebody else. The junk that I carry around and the anger that I literally emanate has the capacity to impact somebody else, influence somebody else. And so rather as believers, when we're coming together and uh, worshiping and being thankful to be able to honor God and give and do the things that God really wants us to do. All we're thinking about is how somebody else doesn't deserve what God wants to give them. Yeah. Yeah. We go there. That's not helping people to find and follow Jesus. That's helping people to walk away from him. It's the exact opposite. It's time to let go of all that. Jesus tells a powerful story a few chapters later in Matthew 18. And uh, without reading through it, it just basically goes like this. There's a guy that owes a lot of money. And if you want to talk about a lot of money, have you ever seen those, those commercials on television that talk about uh, tax relief and you, some person owed $10,000, 25000 uh, uh, $75,000 to the IRS, whatever? Just multiply that by 10. And it's not phone calls. It's letters. And next thing you know, your paycheck gets deposited into your account and it's gone because the IRS takes it. They'll, they'll do that. They can't. And there's, there's just no hope. And you could get 10 years of paychecks. It's not going to pay off the debt. That's the kind of debt that this guy, that the story that Jesus is telling in Matthew to 18, that's how much he owed. And he comes before the king and he says to the king, "Um, I I, I don't, I, I have no money. And in ancient times, if you, if you couldn't pay off your debt, you were sold into slavery and your family was sold into slavery and your kids were sold into slavery until the debt was paid off. And basically what that meant was you're done. This man comes before the king and he says, um, you, uh, you can't pay your debt. No, there's no way. The king forgives it, which was a shock. He just forgives it. He lets all that baggage go. And the man walks out of the throne room and he's thrilled. And a couple days later, somebody bumps into the same man that owes him uh, about 50 bucks. And the man gets mad at that person that owed him 50 bucks. And the guy says, please, let, I'll get it to you. I'll, I'll let you have it back. It's, it's okay. I don't have it. The guy got upset and he had that man that owed him $50 thrown into prison. Well, the people that were standing around and saw this happen, they were were aware of the story of what had happened in the throne room a couple of days earlier. They go back to the king. They say, hey, you know that guy that you let off for 50 million bucks? Yeah. Well, he just had a guy that owed him 50 bucks thrown into prison. The king's, what? He calls the guy back in. He said, what are you doing? I forgive you from a debt that is so overwhelming. There's no way that you could ever pay it back. But you let a guy... Go for, for, uh, for the same amount that it would cost for a really good night going to dinner? You have him thrown in jail? Forget that. Not only am I reimposing the jet, but I'm, the, the debt, I'm throwing you into jail and your family into jail. And Jesus ends the story this way. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you Unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, I've got a really good friend that tells me uh, more, than, uh, more often than not that God's not petty. And he's not. God doesn't keep score, say, uh, giving uh, uh, so many points for grace and then giving us grace awards uh, each day and each week and each year. That's not how this works. Okay? It doesn't work like that. God's not petty. But you know what God will do sometimes to teach us a lesson? He'll give us the same amount of mercy that we grant to somebody else. He'll give us the same amount of blessing that we give to somebody else. He'll forgive us the way that we forgive other people. He will allow our own anger, our own resentment, our own bitterness to just take us up, take us down. Because sometimes you know what? We believe the lie, and the lie is, I'd rather be angry than forgiven. Ephesians chapter 4 says this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. What did he do? What did God do for you and me? When you and I had no hope, when our debt was $50 million, when we'd said and done some things that quite possibly we will always be remembered by everyone else for. That kind of a debt, God sent Jesus to take that penalty for us. That's what the cross is really all about. That's what that means. That instrument of torture and condemnation, God turned around and turned it into a means of redemption for you and for me. And so uh, one, one old Testament prophet said this by his stripes. In other words, by the wounds that Jesus took on my behalf, on your behalf were healed. Now, in just a minute, uh, some guys are going to come forward and we're going to participate in communion together. Okay, so um, if you guys who are going to be uh, serving that, if you want to go back to the table and get ready, you can. But listen, this is what I want you to do. Today, it's about letting go of your guilt. It's about letting go of your resentment. When those trays come around, they're going to come around with a piece of bread and a cup of juice. That bread represents the body of that hung on the cross, the body of Jesus that hung on the cross, that juice represents the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross for my sin, for your sin, so that we didn't have to carry our guilt. You can take a seat for just a second while I finish up. So we didn't have to take our guilt. We didn't have to carry it all this time. We don't have to walk around being angry. We don't have to worry about what somebody else did to us, or what somebody else is doing to somebody else. We don't, because God's got that all covered. And so when we partake, as we do every week, we remember what Jesus did. We remember how we don't have to walk out of here carrying more weight than when we walked in. Rather the opposite, we walk in with the burden, we walk out unburdened. And that's what we do. So here's what I want you to think about. Here's maybe some suggestions for how you pray today. God, forgive me. God, I've been sleeping less and worried about stuff. In some ways, God, some of you are worried about stuff that God forgave a long time ago, but you just keep talking about it. You know, Uh, Leslie and I have these fun conversations every once in a while. She'll ask me something and she'll say, honey, I was wondering if you could go do such and such. And I say, okay. And then she'll go into seven sentences of explaining why I need to do what she's asking me to do. All right. I say, babe, 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 wait, wait, wait. What? You're swinging after the bell. Okay? I've already bought and you're still selling. Okay? And that's exactly how it is between uh, us and God. God, will you forgive me? Yes. God, I really didn't mean to. I really didn't want to. I was just overwhelmed and I was frustrated. And God says, I already took care of it. You're swinging after the bell. I've bought and you're still selling. God's taking care of all of our pain in Christ. So ask him to forgive. And then I want you to ask him to help you let go of the anger, of the resentment. God, just take it away. And if I remember, start remembering tomorrow, help me tomorrow too and Tuesday and Wednesday. Forgive me, God. Take away my anger. Because I don't want to be angry anymore. And I want to walk in real, real hope with real life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for what you've done for us. Thank you for teaching us to pray this way so we can let go of things. Because sometimes, God, (coughs) we just walk around angry, remembering what somebody else said to us, remembering what somebody else did to us, forgetting that you've forgiven us and you've forgiven them too. So God, help us to remember the joy that we have in Jesus, the hope that we have in Jesus, the real life that we have in Jesus because when it's all said and done we've found so much happiness following him and our purpose in life now is to help others do the same so God quite simply forgive us and help us to forgive others we pray this in Jesus name